of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13. Hang with me. Hebrews chapter 13. I'd like to stick with this for the whole thing, if I could, but I don't think I can. Hebrews chapter 13. Done it again. All right. My message is going to be entitled Camp. C A M P. Being as we are thinking about camp, I just thought I'd give us something about camp. Well, I've got several references in Exodus, especially Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and a little bit Deuteronomy, where it talks about camp. I'm not going to turn back there for all of them. Let's take all my time. But anyway, when the Israelites were led out of Egypt into the desert wilderness by Moses, they camped in an encampment. They all had their tents. They had their uh, banners. By Each tribe had its banner. When they got the tabernacle constructed, they camped around the tabernacle. All of them could see the tabernacle. They couldn't see in it, but they could see the enclosure around the tabernacle. It was seven and a half foot tall, and they weren't that tall. They could always see the tabernacle. They could see the pillar of cloud. They could see the pillar of fire. They could see that all, and they were encamped. Well, what is a camp? A camp is in the Hebrew and the Greek. It's exactly the same thing. The Hebrew, the Greek says, a coming together, a dwelling together. Well, what do we do in camp? We uh, feel acceptance. We're with our people, our family, our friends. We talk about the, the lepers. They didn't get to live with the camp. They didn't get to enjoy what everybody else did. Uh, it's, isn't it nice to have a home and a family, a church, and your friends, and you're together? That's what we, we all like that. I mean, that's, we practically need that. There's some renegades that say they don't need that, don't want that. But that's not true. Everybody camps together with whoever they're like. Well, they were saying birds of a feather flock together. So everybody likes to be in camp. It may not be with the ones you should be with, but it's, 
It's somebody that's like you, where you are accepted, and where you feel at home with them. So it's, it's, camp is a nice place. For most people, it is a nice place. Well, like I said, we had the children of Israel in the desert wilderness. They camped for 40 years together. And boy, that was the thing. Well, later on, they get in the promised land. Then they still are together uh, in their camp. But here in Hebrews, the 13th chapter, verse 10, we have an altar whereof they have no right to eat, which serve the tabernacle. For or because the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Wherefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. All right. Let us go forth unto him. And where is he? Outside the camp. Yeah. Outside the camp. Well, what I want to talk to you about is camp. We call this camp and it's good for this week. But... That's where you live. That's where everybody you value is. That's where your life is in your camp. But we see the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's not where he is. Now look over in Luke, the second chapter. Luke, the second chapter, if I can get there. We know that he came to this earth. Hold your place there and go to Second uh, Corinthians 8. We know that he was rich, and yet he became poor for us, that we might be made rich in him. That's my paraphrase there. Now, when Jesus Christ came to earth, he's God manifest in the flesh. But he came to this earth. He gave up all he had 
And he had it all. And he started his life outside the camp. Look here in Luke 2. Verse 6. So it was that while they were there, that is Nazareth, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now the word inn, there's some controversy over that. At the very least, this is a room attached to a house. Whether it's a a manger, but then again, many of those houses, they had animals in the house, a part of the house. And so, doesn't make any difference. The thing of it is that there wasn't any room for him in the normal place uh, that there would have been, should have been. But think about this. This is the, the sovereign creator of the universe who's become a human being, come to this earth, and there's no place for him. There he goes, outside the camp. He had it all and gave it all up. Well, I don't know whether you get this or not, but it's the way it is. And then it wasn't long after that, uh, they were told to take him away from there. To take him to Egypt. Why? Because Herod was going to commit genocide. Kill all the male babies. He was afraid. He heard there was a king coming. And that's what those kings did. Many of them still do. So not only was he outside the camp as a baby, when he was a little older, he's completely taken away from everything where he belonged. And he's gone to Egypt. Well, how'd they get there? I read some commentary that said somebody got there in a few days. No. You don't walk over that kind of terrain in a few days. How many miles was it? I don't know, 40 to 60, I don't know. Traveling with a baby, with a new baby, a, a mother, and a new baby, and, and you know, I don't know how what kind of shape she was in. But they traveled over rough country to get there. Desert country. Walking. I don't know whether they had a donkey or not. They might have had. Doesn't say. But here he is being shut out of the promised land. Now how long they stay in Egypt? I don't know, two or three years maybe. It doesn't say. 
It's just speculation to guess on that. Well, when Herod died, you could probably make a little bit of case there, two or three years that he'd been there, that they stayed there. And then they came back, and it doesn't tell us anything else about his childhood when he got back into Palestine. Tells us a little something about him at 12 years of age. Now, there's some so-called books out there that tell you that what he did when he was a kid, but they're liars. They don't know. <clears throat> and they're certainly not inspired of God. But anyway, so there he is. We don't see much else about it, about his life, until he comes all the way from Galilee to Bethabara, where John the Baptist is baptizing, to get to him to begin his public ministry. And it was his baptism that inaugurated his public ministry. But now, uh, you remember this? It says, uh, The Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. <coughs> now, most everybody has got a place to live. There's some that through no fault of theirs, they don't, they're homeless, live on the streets. Most of them that live on the streets made choices. They're going to drink the booze or shoot the drugs, and that's why they live on the streets. Most of them. Or they're mentally unfit, and they should be in an institution, but they shut down all the institutions. So, uh, that's why they're on the streets. Your heart can go out to them. You can give them a dollar or two, whatever, feed them. But, but many of them, most of them, determined to get there themselves. They're, so they, they did that to themselves. Circumstances didn't get them. Some of them, circumstances did get them. But anyway, what I'm saying is the majority of people have a place to live. They have a camp. They have a home of some kind. Now, if you give it up, get mad and leave your home and go to the streets, that's your problem. That's, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry that you that, that they, they decide to do that. Uh, it's like they commit crimes. I feel sorry for them that they're in that situation, but they probably deserve what they're getting. Anyway, uh, so, but what I am saying is, Jesus was in that situation. Jesus, and that was the first time when he said that, that we see the term son of man that he used. And he used it 80 something times in the whole uh, New Testament or the Gospels. Uh, anyway, he had not where to lay his head. Now, what's that mean to you? Aren't you glad you've got kids? Aren't you glad you've got some place to go to when you get tired and sleepy and that you can go to bed and you can pull a cover over on you and get something to eat? Are you glad you've got that? Would, I, would everybody agree that they're glad they've got that? I, I certainly would. I, I don't, I'll tell you what, when I was in the Navy... And we'd be anchored out five miles out from Hong Kong or something. 
and uh, you'd have to write a LS, uh, LST uh, or landing craft from the shore out to the ship and it's blowing rain or something you're tired and wore out and I look up and see that aircraft carrier you see all them lights up there you talk about getting a warm feeling in your heart that was home that's where I went to hang my hat and get in a bunk and I knew there'd be chow hall too and that, that's where that was my home and that's my only way back here so you get to where you kind of have a love for your ship. That's why many sailors get in big fights over the ships. They really do. Because that ship is your home. It's the only one you've got. And uh, you, want, you want to protect it. It's, it's your camp is what it is. And you've got that place. But look what it says about Jesus. He had not where to lay his head. We're talking about camp now. Okay. So. Jesus was an outcast. They hated him. Most people hated him. They did. So all people loved Jesus. No, they really didn't. They really didn't. Do you know how many times they would have stoned him to death, but they couldn't find him? They didn't love Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something about this world we're in today, this religious world we're in today. They don't love the Jesus of the Bible. They love a Jesus of their own manufacture. They have created their own Jesus. I even see it on the Cincinnati Reds ball games. And printed on the pitcher's mound. He gets you. Anybody notice that? Watch it very close and see if it's not in the dirt. He gets you. Anybody know what that is? There's an organization. He gets you. What they're saying is that Jesus gets you. He understands you. Whoever and whatever you are, whatever you're involved in, whether it's homosexuality, transgenderism, or any of the other perversions, he gets you anyway. No, no, really, really, he doesn't get anybody. He knows what we are. And he, he saves his people out of their sins. But he doesn't get them in their sins. And that's what that's about. Oh, I just heard that, that there's a, been a discovery in the last couple of years. These so-called scientists have discovered that there was a meteor crash back about the time of Abraham. On the cities of the plain, Sodom and Gomorrah. That really what happened there was just so happened that a meteor crashed in on Sodom and Gomorrah. So all of this stuff about God's judgment 
it's just so much poppycock. Didn't exist. Just a meteor. Nothing about God's wrath. So you homosexuals can just go ahead and without worrying about them old preachers telling you that God's wrath and Sodom and Gomorrah proves it. Of course, that's what Jesus, the Lord says, that it does prove the wrath of God, the eternal wrath of God. Anyway, people do not anymore today love Jesus than they did back then. And then we catch him when he was under trial. Number one, one of his own set him up. Judas betrayed him. He said, well, I surely I can trust my friends and my brethren. No. That one betrayed him. Judas Iscariot. And no, Judas, Judas was not saved. Never got saved. And matter of fact, Jesus said it had been better for him if he had never been born. And also said he went to his own place in hell. How in the world anybody could ever say that they believed Judas was saved? I don't know where they got that. They certainly didn't study the word of God. Anyway, so he was betrayed by his own. And I'm going back to Hebrews. He was without the camp. And every point I've talked about so far, Jesus has been without the camp. Now we've spent our lives, most of us, in the camp. I'm talking about our camp here. But Jesus was without the camp. He never had, he never had that warmth, that that acceptance, that feeling that you get being in your own camp. He was without the camp. And it didn't finish when he died. Verse 11, chapter 13. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Now, I believe Apostle Paul wrote this. And he's taking us right back to the book of Leviticus. And the Old Testament offerings. There's the sin offerings. And you know that they were burnt outside the camp. Where was the cross that Jesus died on? Well now the Catholics, the Greek Catholics who run it in Jerusalem... If you take those trips to, to Israel, to Jerusalem, anybody ever been there? I've never been there. I don't plan on going. I plan on living there someday, but not now. I'm not going there now. Anyway, uh, the Catholics have a place that they call uh, the Via Dolorosa. Ever heard of that? Way of sorrows. And they acted out every year around Easter time. 
That's their big push. And they've got a place downtown in old Jerusalem, right in the middle of town. And they've got a shrine there, and they say this is where Jesus died on the cross. But that's not where Jesus died on the cross. Jesus was without the camp. But hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people visit that every year and they're fed a line of malarkey that that's where Jesus was crucified. In the shrine in that Catholic so-called church there in old town Jerusalem. But that's not it at all. The Bible says he was crucified on a hill called Golgotha, the place of the skull. And the reason they say that is because you look at it in the rock formations and all that, it looks like a skull. And that's called Gordon's Calvary outside of town. And that's no doubt. If there's any place where he was crucified, it's there, it's not downtown. But the point of all that is that just as the Old Testament sin offering, Jesus was crucified without, outside of the camp. He was shut off from everybody. Even his own disciples. Look what Peter did at the trial. He Denied him three times. He was shut out without the camp. And that's where he was crucified. Verse 12. Wherefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate. Well, there's, there's a difference between a gate and a camp. But the gate is a way into the camp and a way out of the camp. As I believe that's why it says gate there. He was without the camp. He was without the gate. He was completely shut out. Out by himself. With nobody standing with him. And what was he doing there? Innocent blood. You know that's the crime of the cross, don't you? That they knowingly put to death innocent blood. It is not a crime to execute a, a capital criminal. Although if you hear most of the Holy Joes and most of the liberal world, judges and juries and all of that, oh, we don't believe in death. God says, whoso shed a man's blood... By man shall his blood be shed. And that's for all creation. Anyway, that's why you don't have judges and juries that have the moral courage to, uh, to give the death penalty anymore. And then when they do give it, they stay on the death roll for 23, 25 years. 
I mean, that's a shame and a disgrace. They have no right to be, if their capital crime is, if they're proven guilty, without a, with, with, without a doubt proven guilty of that crime, they should go over the trial proceedings and, and then immediately execute. Look how long it took the Iraqis to execute old Saddam Hussein. Wasn't long, was it? Didn't make any fan. Didn't anybody watch that on television? I mean, they took that. It looked like a. He looked like a street bum, big, great, bad Saddam Hussein, and they they led him up those steps. There wasn't anybody there watching, just the ones doing it. And they put that noose around his neck, and they backed off. And there, boom, he's gone. And I guarantee you, they've used that same rope over and over again. Didn't cost them a thing. Or very little. Anyway, Jesus is dying a, 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 a death of a, of a capital criminal. Is what he's doing. And yet they knew, I think it was twice that Pilate said, I find no fault in this man. He's done nothing amiss. Uh, he said that even twice. But then he washed his hands of him and gave him to the crowd. What will you have? Give us Barabbas and crucify him. Crucify him. Well, can we crucify him in downtown Jerusalem? No, we don't want him in here. He's got to go outside the camp, outside the gate. Well, wherefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. With all of the ills and all the problems that people uh, demonstrated around this it was still necessary according to the eternal purpose of God it was necessary that his blood be shed for his own people that he might sanctify them forgive them of their sins redeem them from their sins so he suffered without the gate and that's why he he opened not his mouth to defend himself because he had, he had even taken his place as a hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner in behalf of all of his people. That's why he didn't open his mouth and argue with it. Yes, he was innocent. But at that point in time, he was not innocent because he had become guilty for his people and he knew no sin. But then that's not all. When he was on the cross. He's dying on the cross. He said my God. My God why hast thou forsaken me? Now. Even God has turned his back on him. So how far out the gate, how far without the camp was Jesus? All the way. There was nothing left that Jesus, the Son of God, that he had. He was without the camp. The sacrifice, the only sacrifice, the only acceptable sacrifice 
is Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, and yet He has become sin for us, and He knew no sin. And where has He done it? Well, actually, you can see His whole life, He was without the camp. He was without the gate. Now, it tells us something. Verse 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him. And where is he? Without the camp. Uh-oh. Bearing his reproach. Now, I, I really believe that if you're not doing this, if you haven't done this, you're not saved. You see, all those people back in the camp, back in the city, they've got their homes, they've got their beds, they've got their meals, they've got their companionship, their love from one another. They've got all of that. They haven't given up anything. Now, there were disciples, but then there were disciples indeed. People say, well, I want to be a, a Christian, and I want to be called a Christian, but I, I don't want to give up nothing. I don't want to go through all that. And that's why some of these doctrines have changed. I mean, for example, they had the, the uh, doctrine that you can only, you just have to receive Jesus as Savior you can receive him as Lord sometime down in the future. It's still being preached. See, that way you can get homosexuals and all the all of those weirdos. You can get them into your church and say, "Well, yeah, they they're saved, but they're going and they're 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 living in sin, but but they're going to submit to the lordship of Christ later down the road." But it seemed to me like I read in the scripture somewhere. Where it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Does it say things like that? Sure does. So you can't have Jesus as Savior unless he's your Lord. And if he's your Lord, he commands your life. He commands what you do. And what you don't do. Well I ain't going to do what that preacher says. It ain't me saying it. If it's the word of God. It's what he says. If you love me. Keep my commandments. Now some of them say. Just throw the ten commandments away. Oh no I wouldn't dare do that. He said if you love me. Keep my commandments. They're throwing the ten commandments away. Can't do that. Now he's got other commandments too. But keep them all. That he says. Well, anyway. So, let us go forth therefore unto him. Now, to go forth unto him, you got to go out the gate. He went out the gate when he went out to the cross. And He left the camp 
when he went out the gate. Oh, I don't have time to go to all of them, but Matthew, Luke, Mark. He says things like this. If you put your hand to the plow and look, you're not worthy of me. He says stuff like this. He said, if you put your family and all your stuff and you, you too, before the Lord, you're not worthy of him. Ah! People say, well, well I've, I've got some stuff I want to do, and I don't have time to serve the Lord. Well, you may be telling the truth. But my Bible says, let us therefore go unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Well, you see, if you tell somebody that you are now a child of God, God has saved me. His spirit has done a work of grace in me. And I am forevermore a child of God. Men, women, both child of God. And the Lord comes first in my life. And whatever I used to do with you, can't do it no more. And I certainly can't do it on Sunday. Because I'll be praising my Lord on that day. That's his day. And I will be serving him. And you see, I can't go along with things like Pride Month. Did you, did you hear Joe Biden this past week? Slow Joe, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, did you hear him encouraging all of the abortion people? Guaranteeing them that the Republicans have done all they can do to stop abortion. And anything Congress passes, I'm going to veto it, trying to stop abortion. You have a right to murder your unborn babies. And some of them want you to murder them after they're born. Like that former governor of Virginia did it. And admitted he did it. Nobody thought anything about it. Uh, you can't be an abortionist. And be a child of God. You can't be a pride month keeper. And be a child of God. Amen. You, you can't do it. That's not on God's side. And he says let us go forth therefore unto him. Without the camp. That's without the, the multitude. Without the popularity. Without all most people. Even people that are not criminals. But they're not godly. They don't love the Lord. The Lord is not first in their hearts and their minds. He said we must go out there to him bearing his reproach. What was his reproach? Well, I've not done a very good job of it. But going through his life kind of showed you that from the get-go, he was without the camp. And then finally, he was at the gate without the camp.
And people didn't love him. They called him a blasphemer. And they would have stoned him to death many times, but they couldn't. But when the time came, they said, give us Barabbas, a known thief and murderer, and crucify Jesus. Now all these people say, oh, I just love the teaching of Jesus. No, they don't. They need to be faced with the teachings of Jesus. And if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you've got to begin right here. You've got to go forth to him outside the gate, outside the camp, bearing, carrying his reproach on you. Look at the Apostle Paul. He had nothing but a hatred from his own kind once he bowed to the Lord, once he became a child of God on the road to Damascus. The rest of his life until they probably cut his head off. He had nothing but reproach from his people. Now there's lots of people back here in the camp that are saying, well, I'm going to have my religion. Uh, we're going to have our baby christened. We're going to have our baby baptized. They call it baptism. And all of the big splendor of a big cathedral and all the, the priest with all of his robes on and all of the altar boys and all of the others, all of them, and just depends on how much money you got is how many is there. Uh, but, but all of the big fanfare over my little baby. Well, y'all don't do that. No, we really don't. We really don't. We don't give people, I, I love the Catholic Church, or I love the Episcopalian, I love all of them because it's so formal and high and the big organs and the big choirs and, and all of that. And just, Well, if you pay big enough money, you can get all that. And that's what they do. That's not scriptural. So I'll take that religion back there in the camp. But I don't want that out there outside the camp. I don't want no part of that. Oh, no. You sit and you, when you start witnessing somebody, you watch them scatter. Amen. I don't care who it is. Oh, I've, I've got an appointment here. I, there's some place I've got to be. Anytime you start it, anytime they hear you, you're connecting yourself with Jesus. Even Peter, look what he did. I'm not one of those Galileans. Oh, yes, you are. I can tell by your speech you're one of them. And he denied three times and cursed. And he was a saved man. But he finally did get out there with the Lord. Bearing his reproach. Are you bearing his reproach? Are you outside the camp? Outside the gate? Are we holding on to the camp back here? 
God help us to be out there 